by thinking uh, this this week, uh, Keith Newton went over and did a, a, a nice ramp for Miss Abercrombie that needed to be done, and or, or Miss, um, I'm sorry, Miss Francis Cromer, I apologize, Miss Francis Cromer, and did that for them this week, and uh, did a superb job. So Keith, we honor you today for doing that. That really blessed her. Thank you for taking care of that for her. We also have Gap's Widows Meeting this Tuesday, July 18th at 12 noon. My mother-in-law, Donna Johnson, will be the speaker at that event. We're expecting a packed house. There'll be food, fellowship, fun. All widows are invited to attend. Please note what I just said. Widows are invited to attend. Unless you're the pastor, you have special privileges. <laughs> and you can go with the widows. So there you go. Um, new members also, if interested in joining, let myself or Miss Sandra right here on this keyboard. That's Sandra, our administrative assistant. And uh, let us know by July 23rd. Joining date will be July 30th. That's on family day when our children will be worshiping with us. Um, if you decide to join, we're also going to be having a, a meeting that morning at 945 in the choir room. I'll announce that the week before so everybody can can be sure to know that. So if you're interested in joining the church, I think Family Day is a beautiful day to do it on with our kids in here singing, worshiping with us. It's going to be a special day. That's going to be on July 30th. We also have Pastor's Council election coming up. There will be four slots this year that we have to fill. So if you are a member and would like to participate, again, see myself if you'd like to be considered, myself or Miss Sandra. And uh, we need that by August the 13th. So if the Lord is already moving in your spirit and you feel uh, that God is calling you to serve in that area, then uh, go ahead and let us know ASAP. The sooner, the better. All right? So we're going to do that to a deadline of August the 13th. Also, I want you to know, and I'm about to get out of the way so we can move on with our service. I feel like I'm selling a lot of stuff this morning. Uh, we've got church t-shirts out there. And uh, Jennifer will have those set up probably in the blazing heat, sweating outside to serve you fine folks. We've got kids' shirts. Matter of fact, I even ordered some infants. We've got one coming for Stone, and he's going to model it for us and stuff. And so if any of the other babies want some, you can even jot their name down. I'll make it happen for you. It won't be at the identical colors, but I have a lot of colors that I can get. He got a blue one, had another baby that got a um, purple, I believe. And so there's different options, but... You go ahead, if you have a baby and you want me to try to get that handled for you, just put beside it however months, six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, or whatever, and I'll try to be sure to, to get that accommodated for you. We want our kids wearing those shirts. They'll look really, really nice in them, right? It is so good to have Brother Don Chavis with us this morning, missionary, pastor, you name it. There's a lot going on in this guy's life. God is using him greatly. I told you several weeks ago that we were going to partner with Europe's Child Missions. And so I'm giving him a segment this morning. I want him to take time to be able to introduce that ministry to you. How many of you know that there's a blessing in blessing other people? And so we're wanting to partner with the missionary. We've been looking for one for some time. So Pastor John, I'm going to ask you to come on. Can we welcome him this morning as he comes to present this to us? Good morning. That was weak for Pentecostals. Let's try it again. Good morning. It is so good to be in Gap Hill, Six Mile, South Carolina. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for partnering with Europe's Child Missions. Really quick, I want to tell you five things that we do and we try to do to the best of our ability in our, in our ministry. 
Uh, when God called us to do this, we started uh, first leg of our ministry is we provide youth camps for underprivileged children all across Eastern Europe. Um, last year, we ministered um, 11 camps in five different countries. We ministered 2,500 children. And of the 2,500 children that we ministered to in our camps, 333 of them gave their life to Christ for the very first time. Let me say praise God for that. One thing uniquely different about our camps, we send them home with a survival kit. It's a bag just like this uh, in there. There is a Bible. There is a food packet that we put in there. Uh, we also put some uh, educational supplies. We put some medical supplies in there. A lot of these kids walk around uh, in flip-flops year-round. They don't have adequate shoes. They have sores on their legs. And so we teach them how to take care of themselves because they can't go to urgent care like you and I can. Then one other thing we put in there is digital hygiene products. Can you imagine if everybody in your family had to share one thing, what would it be? A toothbrush. Now I love my parents, but I don't want to share my toothbrush. And so every kid gets their own toothbrush, tube of toothpaste, a bar of soap, washcloth. And then the two last things that we put in there is our most popular item. We put also in there a Frisbee. Everybody knows what a Frisbee is. It's not a cute Frisbee because we've got a Church of God logo on it. It's an awesome Frisbee because on the inside, it has the ABCs of salvation in their language. And we're passionately about letting kids know about Jesus Christ. And then one other thing we put in there is no matter where you go in Europe, day or night, there's always uh, one of these games playing on TV and football. And I'm not talking about the Clemson Tigers. You can just say amen right there. This is a soccer ball.
Stand together, have a word of prayer 
Pray for the service. Pray for Brother Chavis and his ministry as it goes forward and as we help support him in that ministry. Let's pray. Dear Lord, today we thank you, God, for your blessings on us. We thank you for the ministry of Brother Chavis. Now, I pray you bless him, O oh God, like never before. Lord, you see the ministry he is doing. You see what he has sacrificed. Now, I pray, O oh God, you multiply those gifts in him now tremendously in his life. Let him see you working in special ways. Let him see you meeting those needs now in the name of Jesus. Lord, touch this church as we help support him, O oh God, and help support him in our prayers, O oh God. Lord, we lift you today. We glorify you today, Lord. Have you come to bless the Lord, church? Have you come to give him glory? Let's bless the Lord together. We magnify you, O Lord. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together. And you give me joy. And you give me
everything is mighty, awesome God. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hey, they look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. 
testimony, and I'm sorry. <laughs> we are not alone in this battle. We are not alone. Look around you. Look around you. We are not alone in this battle. Listen to the words of the second verse one more time. We are not alone in this battle. Worship the Lord, church. Somebody give Jesus praise in this house right now. My goodness. My goodness. Thank you, Pastor Don, for sharing with us this morning. Such a blessing. Those stories that you told us today, uh, thank you so much for those. They were touching. And uh, being a fellow ice cream lover, I... Um, feel exactly what the young man was praying for there. So that was awesome, an awesome story. Thank you for sharing with us. And uh, he has a booth set up at the back, and um, if you would like to go by 
and visit that. He has some information for you there that will bless you, that will show you how you can partner with him. And um, obviously we have some new envelopes coming on our new envelopes. I'll tell you when they get here, but there will be a section that is entitled Europe's Child Mission. So you'll be able to give any time that you want to or online on our website. You're able to do that as well or our Gap Hill app. You'll be able to do that. Today, if the Lord would help me, I want to deal with the sermon entitled Divine Enablement, the Roadmap to Your Success. I really want to get you there. I want to get you to the place that you really find where God wants you to be and what God wants to do in your life. I was, I was praying and, and thinking as last week we talked about equality. Did anybody remember that? Does anybody remember the, the equality that we talked about? And we talked about there's no equality in the kingdom of God. And in that fact, we talked about Peter and John. And we talked about how that Peter and John were having this moment with Jesus in which John is leaning on the breast of Jesus in which Peter looks at him and he begins to question and says, Lord, what is going on with this guy over here? To which God replies to him and says, what does it matter what's going on with him? You don't need to be concerned. In other words, you don't need to be concerned about his ministry. You need to worry about your ministry. And so often we look at the other fellow and we say, well, if God would bless me like that or if God would do that with me, then I would, I would do this and I would do that. And we talked last week, equality doesn't belong in the kingdom of God in that sense that if God blesses him that way, God has to bless me that way. Another point we talked about was if God uses him that way, then why can't God use me that way? Today I want to delve in just a little deeper into some of that, if I may, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 this is this is what i want to deal with i'm doing it it's funny because y'all know how i am on series as i hate when these guys get up and say all right guys we're starting a series on love be here for the next eight weeks it's my pet peeve it always has been i have done series as i've done four or five i think when i did what is right with the church you may remember that i think i did five of those what is right with the church I kind of enjoyed that, but that's about as, as long as it gets for me. But today I'm kind of going into a part two of finding your place in the kingdom, I guess is what we could call this series since I'm already on this bandwagon. I might as well ride it all the way home. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. There's apostles, there are prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It is not the pastor's job to call you. It is not the pastor's job to send you out and say, hey, buddy, this is what you're going to do. It is the pastor's job to preach the word to you, to equip you, to tell you there is purpose for your life. It is your responsibility. To go out there and figure out what is God saying? How is God wanting to use me? What is God going to do during this season that I am in? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. No more baby Christians. He says we're going to grow up to maturity, measuring up to the full standard and complete of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Won't be a bunch of babies running around the church complaining and whining. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
I pastored churches where I felt like it was more of a daycare center than it was a, a church of Jesus Christ. Because people all the time complained and complained. And I figured out everything they complained about, it was about me, 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 me. How can you bless me? How can you help me? The children's program isn't good enough. Your preaching isn't good enough. I don't like what you said last week. Wah, wah, wah. That's what I wanted to say, but being a man of God, I said, hey, I'll be praying about that, brother. Can we pray now? Best response you can ever have. Always turn to prayer. They'll shut up and let you pray. Usually. Immature like children. He says, this is not the church that I want. This is not the church when I left it behind and said this church is going to be endued with power after the, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There is an anointing that is going to come on this church and you are going to change the world. You are going to reach them. Yes, even in Europe, even in Italy, even all over the world. You are going to reach them by the power of the gospel. This is the powerful church that Jesus has called us to be, not children. We won't be tossed and blown about with every new uh, every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, this is what God's church will do. We will speak the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody shout now forever. Hold your peace. We will speak the truth, but when we do it, we will do it in love. Growing in every way more and more, we are going to be like Jesus Christ who is the head of this body we call the church. He makes this whole body just fit together perfectly like a cog on a wheel, like a well-oiled machine as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow. That means when you get better, I get better. When I get better, you get better. I play music, it's kind of like it. Me and Brad, I love, I, I'm missing Brad today. He's, he's my boy on the drums, and I miss it. I like playing the bass with Brad. And sometimes we'll do something, and we just look at each other and grin. <laughs> like, a lot the way that sounded. When you get to playing together, and you do it more and more, you begin to compliment one another. Amen. Right? You learn one another. You know exactly what the next person's about to do. You're already looking for it. You can hear it in your head. And you say, man, I'm going to do it with him. That's really going to sound good. Because you learn how to work well together. This is the way the body of Christ is. The more and more that we work together in unity and becoming like Jesus Christ, the better this outfit is going to become. We do our own special work. It helps other parts grow so that the whole body, I did not say a quarter of the body, not half of the body, and I got to get to my sermon and get off this text, bless God, but I just feel it. This whole body is healthy and growing. And we are all so full of his love. Somebody, what a powerful, powerful scripture. Thank you, Jesus, for the reading of your word today. When I think about passion, my passion, and I can only speak for me. I can't speak for anybody else here. You, you know what your passion is, but I know what mine is. So I, and I've got the mic, so I'm going to talk to it. My passion is preaching. It always has been. It is, it is the heart of my ministry. It, it is what I feel like God has blessed me to be able to do, is to speak 
into congregations. I believe it is my calling. I don't have a doubt about that today. I told you last week, six years old, I was running around jumping from, from couch to couch, screaming and hollering with my little PA system, little karaoke, just a hollering and preaching. Mom and dad come in the house. They're just going about their business every now and then. They'd come in and say, Jim, that's enough for today because, I mean, I'd been preaching for two hours. I should have already lost my voice. I was younger back there. The point is, I love to preach. I love it. I could do it every day of my life. I love to win souls for the kingdom. I absolutely love when we walk into a church and the Lord gives me a word, I preach that word, and people respond, and they come to an altar, and tears are rolling down their face. I love it when makeup is messed up and mascara is everywhere, and people are running trying to find out where the tissues are. I see a box over there, and we're handing it to people because they're crying and they're weeping because the Holy Spirit has blessed them. That's my passion. There is nothing in the world like it. There is nothing better than that. I am at heart an evangelist. And I always have been. I will never forget the guy that told me, said, you're not a pastor, you're an evangelist. The sad part is I was his pastor. <laughs> the even sadder part than that is that he was a retired pastor. <laughs> you got to love them. They always know what's best for your church. They've never pastored it before, but they know what's best based on what they did 50 years ago. They just know it's going to work for you now in 2023 in a changing culture. Guess what? It's not. And I remember saying, and I said my words, well, why can't I be a pastor and an evangelist? I just want to be both of them. And I believe you can. I can be a pastor with an evangelical message. I have a tremendous faith for my calling. I truly believe today, speaking from my own heart, that the Lord has raised me up for this purpose. I believe today. And I am just giving God the glory because I have found that. That is my part of the call, part of the call that God has placed on my life. But today, this is not about me. Today, I want to deal with you. And I want you to understand that God has a unique and a special calling on your life. It is one of a kind. There is only one of you in this world. Somebody shout, thank you, Jesus. We can't handle anymore, right? God raised you up. You are special in your own way. And I've said this several times, but I want you to grab this today. And this thought is very, very sobering. But one day I'm going to stand before God. One day you are going to stand before God. And you're going to have to give an account to what, what you did with that unique and special calling that God gave you. What did you do with your gift? What did you do with your talent? What did you do with the calling I gave? you. It recalls to my memory the story of those talents. You remember the, the master gave out five talents to one. He gave two to another. He gave one to another. And he said, now well, I'm going to go away, but when I come back, I want these talents to, to be done something. Make something out of these things. And the one with five ran to the bank. He said, I'm going to get some interest. When the master came back, he's got ten talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. You used your talent. You did what you were supposed to do. Great.
great job. To the man with two, what have you got? Well, I've got four. Congratulations, you've doubled it. My goodness, what a great reward that I've got waiting for you, you good and faithful servant. And then he gets to the guy that he gave one talent. And he says to him, what have you done with your talent? What have you done with your calling? What have you done with your ministry? I gave it to you. I handed it to you. I gave you the gift. I gave you the ability. Now what are you going to do with it? Where is it? Show me. To which the man says, I don't even have anything to show you today. I took my talent and I buried it. See, I'm troubled in my spirit because I've pastored since I was 21 years old. And if I could just tell you the talents that have been buried underneath the surface. People that are gifted to teach, but they've never taught a day in their life. They have buried the talent underneath the surface. People that have an ability to sing, but they've never told you. People that can play music, but they've never told you. People that are just good at doing ministry in general, but they've never told you what have they done. They have taken their abilities and they have buried them. But what did Jesus say to him? He said, hey, depart from me, you wicked servant. I never knew you. This is a sobering thought. He said, you're going to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth forevermore. I'm, what, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that when God gives you an ability and a ministry and a calling in your life, it is dangerous if you don't use it it is dangerous for you to take the God-given gift that is inside of you and to bury it underneath. Paul said to Timothy, he said, God has called you to preach. God has called you to be anointed. You need to stir up. Don't bury the gift, but you stir up the gift of God that is inside of you. When I laid hands on you, the anointing came on you. Now you go out there and do something for the kingdom of God. We have to figure out what is my gift. What is my talent? You have been commissioned. What does commission mean? When you commission someone, it means that you give them the authority to do it. God has done that for you. He has given you your gift. He has commissioned you, given you authority. You have been ordained by God already to fulfill this specific calling that he has. So the question that I have today is what in the world is holding you back from using the gift that God has put inside of you? I met a lady one time at a church, and she baked cakes. If you get sick, she bake you a cake. Get in the hospital, she bake you a cake. You don't feel good one day, she bake you a cake. Cakes here, cakes there, cakes everywhere. That woman was anointed, for my stomach told me so. It was her gifting, it was her calling. It was her ministry. A pastor never got up and said, hey guys, our cake baker, director, sister so-and-so. He didn't have to. He, she didn't care if she had a title or not. She just simply knew God had anointed her. She could bake a great cake. And that's exactly how she blessed people when they were in need was with the cake. Somebody die, you get a cake. You struggling, you get a cake. It always, and my Lord, doesn't cake make everybody feel better? Thank God for the cake ministries in the church. In addition to your unique calling, not only has God given you this uniqueness, but God has also given you what is on my screen, divine enablement. 
That is greater than anything I can preach to you today because that is the ability to do what you were called to do. And not only to do what you were called to do, but to do what you are called to do effectively. It's one thing to be a preacher. It's another thing to really be a preacher. It's one thing to be a teacher. It's another thing to really be a teacher. What I'm telling you is anybody can get up and do the job. But it takes divine enablement to take it to the next level. Oh, God. I could hand somebody a Bible. And they've got a licensed ministry ordained thing that the church of God gave them. And they can get up there and they can try to preach. I could give them my notes. I could give them everything I use. They could preach it. But the question is, are you anointed? You've got to have divine enablement. And what? listen, and this is what you have to understand. I learned it a long time ago. Is that I couldn't do it by myself. But I also learned that once God called me, it was very specific. It was very unique. I was different than anybody else. But God taught me really quick. The thing that's going to make you stand out, it is not your abilities. It is the divine enablement of the Spirit that is going to come on your life. And that's what's going to change everything. Understand with me today, if you are going to be something great for God, it is not because of your own abilities. It is going to be the anointing that is going to partner with you and going to come together with you. And jointly, this body is going to go to another level. Divine enablement, my goodness. The ability to do what you are called to do with great effectiveness. People have different gifts. Some are apostles. He said some are prophets. Some are evangelists. Some pastors. Some teachers. Others may be called to be a doctor. That's right. Maybe God gifted somebody to be a doctor. You remember Ben Carson, presidential candidate, first and foremost a Christian. Man of God wrote a book, talked about the gift of God on his life. And one thing that he talked about was the fact that God had given him the gift that he had. I was going to have lung surgery. I was 16 years old. I was scared to death. I'm like a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. A young man, collapsed lung, spontaneous pneumothorax. I walk into my doctor's office, and I'm nervous as I can be, pre-op. And I'm talking to him, or, and he says to me these words. It changed everything for me when he said this. He said, what did you do? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a preacher. He's really a preacher at 16. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been preaching in church since I was nine. So we said, well, that's good. Then the Lord's gifted you to do this. He said, just like the Lord has gifted you to preach, he has gifted my hands to do surgery. That was a powerful statement. It still stuck with me. I looked at him and I said, when are we doing it? Because I had a man that understood this is divine. And this is not myself. This is the gift of God on my life. Yes, even a doctor can be called of God. Yes, even a lawyer. Some of them may be shady as mess, but even a lawyer sometimes can get under the anointing of God and can help you in the court of law and do it by divine enablement. You understand with me, some of them will be, will be managers. Some of them will be custodians. It doesn't matter what. You can fill in the blank and name whatever you want, but the point is that God gives every bit as much enablement for my profession as he does any other profession and for those that he has called to work in the church of Jesus Christ he has enabled you to do so you've got to believe that today if you're going to be used greatly by God I told you the other week a story of D.L. Moody and 
I didn't really go into much depth. I just mentioned it. But you never know how God's going to use you. Even when you're talking to somebody and you mention church and God opens up a door and you begin to minister to them. You ever had that happen? I have. It's a beautiful thing. It's divine enablement. It's divine providence. It's a divine encounter. It is when God puts you at a place at a specific time to minister to somebody at a specific time, a specific season in their life. It's the well-known story of a man. He is a salesman, a shoe salesman. His name is Edward Kimball. Kimball was a man that that's all he did. He just sold shoes. He was a Sunday school teacher as well. And so one day he figures out there's this young guy. His name's Dwight Moody, which later becomes known as D.L. Moody. And one day the Lord laid on his heart that he should go to Moody's workplace because Moody was a young shoe salesman that had just got started out. And so the Lord laid on his heart and said, you go to that shoe store and, and I want you to talk to that young man about me. Talk to him about Jesus Christ. And, and, and he went on and he said, I went to that store. And when I went to that store, there goes that young D.L. Moody, a young man that's excited about selling shoes. But he did not realize that God had a way bigger plan for him than just selling a shoe to somebody. And so that day, Edward Kimball went in there. He witnessed to that young man, invites him to Sunday school. D.L. Moody gets saved. The rest is history. He goes on to be one of the most influential evangelists of his time. He was part of the revivalist movement in the 19th century, a large-scale evangelist. The story of Edward Kimball is showing us something. It is showing us that God is a reminder of the importance of sharing your faith and reaching out to others with a message of hope and salvation. Edward Kimball may have not have thought he was much but because of Edward Kimball D.L. Moody would go on and thousands of people would be saved in the kingdom of God. And do you know if we were to do a family tree or a genealogy it would be Edward Kimball witness to D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody reached untold thousands. Look who's at the top where it all started. It started with a guy by the name of Edward Kimball. What I'm telling you is God wants to use you in his church. Don't ever let the adversary or the enemy tell you you are not of worth. There is nothing that you can do. I'm telling you God is going to enable some people. Why does God give certain graces to certain in certain areas and to certain people? I know I need it. I don't always deserve the grace of God. Do you always deserve it? I know I don't. But God gives grace in areas. Why do people ask, how do you know? All I know is I just get up and do it. Why do you have that gift? What is it? The reason that God has given every believer a different gift is so that the whole body will grow to maturity and we will be complete in Jesus Christ. If we all did the same thing, what kind of church would we have? Have a church full of preachers. If that was the case, I'm leaving. I'm just telling you. I ain't dealing with that. The problem is that, are you ready for this? Let, let's, 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 get, let's get real for just a minute. The problem is that there's so many people that are not doing the call that God has placed on their life. Therein lies the problem. Some time ago, they did some research on volunteering in the church they came to a conclusion that they, they called it the 80-20 rule 
I'll just say the 20 main. It meant that your church is doing good, fairly healthy, if 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Everybody got that? 80-20. And I get their point, right? Sometimes it's hard to get people to volunteer. Sometimes it really is. I've had some struggles. It's funny, Larry told me one time, Larry Anderson said I needed some people helping in the church. He said I got all dramatic on them. He said you ought to do it sometime at your church. It worked really good. I said, what was it? He said, I got chains and put them around my neck and got boards. And on every board, I literally put a name. We need nursery workers. And he put the name of every ministry. And he said, the entire sermon, I preached with that. He said, that thing had to weigh 20, 25 pounds. And he said, the whole time, I just preached with that thing until the altar call. And I told him, if somebody would like to help remove the weight, grab one. And so they come up and they find what they want and they pull it off old Larry and walk up with a sign them up, praise the Lord. He told me one time, I said, you ought to try that. It really worked great. That's what you call guilting people in the ministry. I kind of like it. <laughs> Are you doing the will of God in your life? See, I was reading my Bible, and this is where, where, where it, gets, it gets hard for me. It gets hard for me. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want to read it to you really quick. It just says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth because of my authority I give to you. He said in another place, verse 19, he gives this command. This is known as the Great Commission. This is what we preach to the church. This is to the church world that God says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, God set the end. Divine enablement. I am with you always even unto the end of the age. And he closed it with a loud amen. See, this is what I'm having problems with. While church statistics may, or church statisticians, uh, whatever you call them, those that gain the stats, while 80-20 may be a good idea, it's not what God called us to do. Do you want to know what God's plan is? 100-100. I want everybody to process that. It's going to take you about 10 seconds. These growth conferences I've been going to, my goodness, they've been wrong. I knew it. Why did I pay the money to go there? God has already given us a clear plan. It is not 80-20, it is not 90-10, it is not 50-50, it is not any number you want to throw out there except for 100-100. That means that every, by every one of us in this church, do you know what, can you imagine what kind of church we would have? Right here in Six Mile, South Carolina, if everybody that was a disciple would go out and make disciples. Pastor Don, you're probably good with math. What would happen? You got an idea? Do you think this church would hold them? I don't think so either. If everybody would go and make 
disciples. I'm telling you, we would absolutely rock six mile like it ain't never been rocked before. There would be people trying to find places. We'd have to have two services because we couldn't hold them all in this house. If everybody would go out there and say, today I am going to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. If everybody, when you go out there, instead of seeing people, that all those people look dirty or all those people look, look like they, they don't fit in our church. If we would just go out there and if the love of God that I read about in my text would get a hold of us and we would see people through the eyes of Jesus. What in the world would take place in this church? Really? I went to a growth conference once. Let me tell y'all a story. They told us one of the faults of many churches is that they want the pastor to grow the church. Many books have been written and they have found that a pastor by himself can grow a church to 125 people. 125. Decent crowd, right? But if that church wants to really go beyond and start breaking barriers, as they call it, you know how it happens? I'm going to say it plain. It's when the church becomes the church. In other words, a pastor and his ability, his preaching, he can get 125 there. At some point or another, that church has to realize, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am anointed by God. I don't have to go to the altar and get a priest to pray for me for my sins. I don't have to do that anymore. I can repent of my own at home, and I can go out. I don't have to bring somebody to the pastor and get the anointing oil out so we can anoint them the way we traditionally do it. God has given you the power. God has given you the authority that right there on work if somebody's discouraged you have the authority to lay hands on them and rebuke that devil off of their life in the name of Jesus church be the church that's what I'm worried about today is that we've got this 80-20 but I want to see a church that is thriving a church that everybody is doing what God called it to do that is the only way the body really will function the way the body is supposed to function Man, I feel like preaching today. Help me, Jesus. When you even look based on research and you look at the dismal survey of people in the workforce, this isn't even church related. This is just people that sell cars, people that flip a burger at McDonald's, manage a McDonald's, whatever they do. Did you know that over 70% said that they were not working in the field of their calling and they really weren't even passionate about what they were doing. I want you to process that. 70% said, I go to a job every day that I don't even like. If you're not passionate about caring for people that are sick, you probably don't need to be a nurse. If you don't like preaching and dealing with issues and praying for people and hearing problems, you probably shouldn't be a pastor. 70% of people in a dismal survey said, I am not doing what I'm called to do. But you know it makes sense because so often in the church, we take people out of the need that we have and we shove them in ministries. Oh, this is where God's going to use you. But that person ain't even passionate about it. I'd rather not do it. 
If I grab Scott here, and this is just hypothetical because I love you, Scott, and you know I'm just messing. Scott loves kids. He's got grandbabies. He, boy, you want to see that man smile on Facebook ear to ear when he's holding one of them. <laughs> he likes kids. This isn't a child hater over here. But if Scott doesn't want to deal with kids, he just don't like kids, why would I take Scott and say, Scott, you're going to go help in the children's ministry back yonder, brother? We got a need back yonder now. We need you to help now. And Scott, being just good at heart, says to himself, says, I hate children's ministry, but because the church needs and pastor needs it, I'll go back there and do children's ministry. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You ever been that person that did it just because it was needed? Pastor is wound up today. Brian, pray. As my friend used to say, honey, go start the truck. We're getting out of here after I finish. We can just shove people in the ministry and say, this is what you're going to be passionate about, bless God. But that's not the way it works. But in my defense, in leader's defense, when you've got an 80-20 pool, the pond's small. And so you only got certain people saying, oh, I'll serve there. And you grab them and you try to use them. And you got this pool saying, I'll serve. And finally, you've got this pool of people that they just want the church to do good. So they'll serve anywhere, right? Whether they're passionate or not, they'll just serve. Can you imagine if today everybody in this building, I could pull from anybody in this building because 100% of the people sitting in this building are ready to do active ministry. Do you see how big that pond gets? It gets huge. And so once the body, let me explain. Once the body of Christ becomes active, and once they are working like this cog on a wheel that is just as smooth as it can be, a well-oiled machine, everybody's doing something, but they're not just doing something. They're doing what they're passionate about. And when you've got a group of people that are saying, man, God's calling me to do this. God's calling me to do that. My goodness, what would happen in the church? I'm telling you, we would never lack anything. I'm fired up today. Do you want to know? Perhaps you're, maybe perhaps today you feel dry, spiritually speaking. Let's say it that way. You're drying up. You're, you feel almost like you're dying spiritually. Perhaps it's because you put your gift in a box and you're not doing what God called you to do. Maybe you come on Sundays and you just hope the pastor will preach and pump you up and get you fired up to get you through your week. Boy, that's what that preacher's job is. He's supposed to fire me up, pump me up every Sunday. But see, I want you to understand something about the kingdom of God. The ultimate goal is not to bless you. So you can have a nice and successful life. Come on, somebody. When we talk about the kingdom, it is all about Jesus Christ. It is all about the kingdom and your assignment. It is not about our comfort. It is not about what we do or don't want to do. It is about this. Is this world, is this community being reached for Jesus Christ? And whatever it takes to accomplish that, sign me up, Pastor, because I'm going to be a part of it. I am going to be the body of the church, the hands, the feet. I'm going to do something. Have you ever... Alright, let's, let's try it this way. When was the last time 
that you invited somebody to come to church. Ten seconds. We're in process time. When was the last time that you got in a conversation with someone and the door opened and you said to them, man, I'd love for you to come to our church Sunday. I believe you'd enjoy it. Now, only you can answer that question. I just wanted you to process that. Imagine for a moment that we have a five-year-old child. He loses his hand in an accident. We grab the hand. We put the hand in a box. We're going to keep it in this box. The problem is the hand is disconnected from the body, right? Now, mind you, there have been successful surgeries where they put the ligaments and they put the, all the sensors in there back together, so to speak, nerve endings, and they've reattached successfully. There, there's been stories. Cut off fingers. Put them back on. All right. But imagine we put this hand in a box and we keep it there, disconnected from the body. At that point, the hand is not interacting with the body in any way whatsoever. What is going to happen to the hand? The hand is going to shrivel up. The hand is going to die. The hand, I hate to be nasty and gross, but it is going to decay and it is going to get stinky. Do you know why? It's in this little box. It has been disconnected from the body. That is why corporate worship is so important. These people that think that they can just make it off the internet and thank you for watching on Facebook today, God bless you. And there's times sickness and there's times that we have elders and they may not be able physically to get to this church. Maybe newborn babies, and they, they don't want, want the baby in that environment, especially in a time of COVID and all kinds of diseases. I get it. I was the same way with my kids. But after the season's over, you better get back connected with the body of Christ. Do you know why it's so important? Because disconnect kills that part of the body. If the hand is disconnected for so long, the hand dies. The hand gets stinky. So what happens in the church? We used to have a hand that did things, but now that it's disconnected, it ain't doing nothing anymore. It ain't volunteering. It ain't helping. It ain't teaching. It, ain't... it has been disconnected. It is so vital and it is so important that if the body, and hey, listen to me, let me tell you this. This is the thing. People that want to disconnect from the body, a lot of times the reason they want to is because they don't want to be a part of the body. But I want you to understand, when I read Matthew chapter 28, what God has called us to do is I want you to go into all the world. He has called every part of the body. He doesn't want you sitting at home on your couch. He wants you to be able to say, man, you better come to our church. There's some life in that place. You've got to be connected before you can do that. I, I, I'm going to leave you with this. Go, go, go to the piano. I promise I'm quitting. The lesson of the story is very simple. If you're not engaged in your calling, your divine enablement, you will remain immature in Christ and not growing to completion to make the body better. I used to think the way you become a mature Christian, this is the way I was taught in church. You read your Bible, you pray, you fast, you go to church. But that is not what the Apostle Paul said to us. 
He says, some of you are the mouth. Some of you are the ear. All of us are parts of the body. And he said, one part of the body cannot say to the other part of the body, I do not need you. Because what would the hand be without the arm? Guess what? There wouldn't be a hand. And God says to us, if you are going to grow in me, you got to actually start living it in real life. you got to start doing something for the kingdom. And then you will grow to maturity. It's no longer come to church, let the pastor preach to me, bless me, encourage me, fire me up. But rather it is, wait a minute. I got to tell somebody about this Jesus this week. I got a lost kid at home. I got a lost mother, father. I got a brother or sister. They're only five minutes from a church. They need to get in there. I need to invite them this Sunday. This is what matures us up. I'm going to leave you with this. Through the years, people have come to me with ministries on their heart, right? Watch this. I had one lady, she came to me. And she said to me, I told him, I said, you say this. I said, well, she said, let me say something to you. I said, all right, let's meet. Let's meet in my office on such and such date. All right? We get to the office, and I'm excited. I've been praying at this church. At the time I went there, it was a very small church. God's growing it. It's doing great. We're having to find places to sit, people. And I thought to myself, I've been praying, said, God, if you would just give me some volunteers in this church, if you would give me some people with a burden, I feel like I'm carrying everything. I would literally, Byron, this is no lie. In that church, I didn't have anybody that would sing. And so I would, you know, that's my wife. I'd play the guitar, and I'd sing. I'd put my guitar down, take up prayer requests. I'd pick my guitar up, do one more. Put my guitar down, preach my sermon. Yeah. To switch it up, I'd go to the keyboard sometimes and play it, sing, take a prayer request, play, sing a song, preach my sermon. My throat shot. Did it week in and week out. I'm saying, God, I appreciate this place you give me. It's blessed. We're doing well. But you got to send some help. You got to. I, I just can't keep doing this. A little lady walks in my office, says to me, the Lord laid a ministry on my heart I was praying about, and I, I thought this was good, and I just wanted to share it with you. She lays out a ministry. It sounds beautiful. Everything about it is perfect. It is a needed ministry in our church because we don't have many function. Another pastor's playing the guitar and the piano and singing, praise God. And he takes up her place. I need another ministry, and I need somebody else to do ministry. And so she said, let me tell you about this. She tells me about this plan. I'm like, this is wonderful. Oh, I'm so inside. I'm trying to remain calm and cool. But inside, I am so excited. I am on the mountain of transfiguration. Thank you, Lord. The glory of God is about to come. There's a halo over my head by this point. This is a divine moment. Oh, but how hard we come crashing down when we get too high up. When she looked at me. And Pastor, I, I just wanted to share this with you and just see what you thought. My response, ma'am, sister, I think it's a great idea. When do you want to get that? I am here to help you. I'll enable. I'll help you. I'll give you the resources. When do you want to get that ministry started? 
To which she looks at me and says, whoa, 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 I didn't want to start the ministry. I just had the idea. Whoop! From the Mount of Transfiguration to the Valley of the Shadow of Death, I know you are still with me, but it doesn't feel like it right now, Lord. Case in point is that we've got too many in the church they can come up with good ideas. They can tell you about good ideas. But when it comes to actually doing the idea and doing the ministry, Pastor, I don't like the way you're preaching today. Listen, all I'm trying to do is to make you reach spiritual maturity. That's my job. That's my job. And I'm telling you, it's time to find out what God is calling you to do. And let's get to doing it. Let's stand in the house of God. Man. The beautiful thing about it is this. You're not going to have to do it alone. Divine enablement. God is going to partner with you. The roadmap to your purpose. Do you want God to use you today? Has God been dealing with your heart about something? Is there somebody? If you can't do anything else, at least go and be my witnesses, he said. At least do that. Because somebody is going to die and go to hell. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to bless you. And I'm, I'm going to leave. I was walking by a car one day. I won't ever forget it. I was in like a Walmart parking lot. And I remember, I know when God speaks to me, right? My sheep know my voice. That's what the Bible said. And I heard the voice of God. That that person needs you to speak to them. I was a young man. I may have been 17, 18 years old. I'm just a kid. I was a preacher, but I was still a kid. And I was still nervous about something. Sometimes I get nervous. And I remember walking by that person. And that heaviness came on me. You need to talk to them. You need to talk to them. And I remember I went on about my business and said, no, that's not God. That's not God. That's, you know, that's just, this is me. I'm just over-exuberance. Wasn't to hurt anything to invite the person to church. Wasn't to hurt a thing, right? But I walked on by them, got in my vehicle. I drove off. I went home. To this day, I have no idea what happened to that individual. I never saw him another day in my life. But the thought, and this is such sobering, God forgive me. But the thought that God just, I guess it was the Holy Spirit whipping me that day. Because he loves me and didn't want it to happen again. But the thought that kept rolling over and over in my mind was this. What if that person is in hell right now? And that was my moment. And it would have changed their life in eternity forever. And I still live with that today. Somebody said, that's a stupid preacher. Get over it. No, it's not. Perhaps I miss that one soul. Perhaps today they're in hell. Perhaps it's because I didn't take the time to simply do what God told me to do. And that's to talk to that person. Don't let that be on your conscience. If God's been telling you that person on your job, they need you. Go to them and let them know that you're a brother in Christ and you're there to help them. You're there to pray for them. 
you're there to encourage them. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've been longer than normal today, but Father, I had to get this off my chest. I am asking you right now that you would help the Gap Hill Church of God, that you would enable us to do the work of the ministry. I'm praying that you would help us to see this church, not just as a church building, but let us see it as the body. And when we look at ourselves and we see the head and we see the arms and the hands and the stomach and the, and the legs and the feet, we see this body, it forms and it makes up to where we are able to walk, we are able to talk, we are able to hear, we are able to see, we are able to do everything. We get in our cars, we're going to drive home today, we're going to get the lunch, we're going to eat until we can't eat no more because this body is going to function to allow us to do that. Help us to see your church like that. And help us to realize we are part of that body. And if one part of that body is missing, it changes everything. One finger would change the way I could play a piano. One amputation would change the way I walk forever. I would be on walkers or I would, or I would be in a wheelchair. One thing like that could change it all. That's how important the body is. Help us to understand that is what you see when you see this church. You see a body. How broken is it at times, Lord? Forgive us. When you look down at your church that you've empowered, that you've given the Holy Ghost, and when you look down at us, you see and say, where's the arm at? Where's the leg at? Where's the mouth at? I put them there. I've given them enablement. I called them to do it. I gave them a specific purpose. Why is my body so broken? Forgive us, Lord. Help us to find our place and to do your will. In Jesus' name, would somebody in this house shout amen today? I'm going to open up.